Hello, everyone. On this episode of the podcast, we talk with Bridget and Trey, the creators of the Queen City Flash. You know what? Let's be artful. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jackson. I am going to be talking with Bridget and Trey, who founded Queen City Flash. Now, you may notice down below that this episode is uh, fairly long. That is because Bridget, Trey, and I had a bunch of stuff to talk about because their organization does so many things. So, with that, let's get started with our conversation with Bridget and Trey. I am here with Bridget and Trey, um, and they started the Queen City Flash, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I said said the right one. Okay, good. Um, And so, you started the organization. Can you tell me... A little bit about uh, why you decided to create that organization. What do you hope to do with it? Do you want to? Do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, we so we had moved from New York City, and the um, original goal was to never permanently live here. I moved out here for a one-year job, um, and then after that one-year gig, we did the Cincinnati Fringe Festival, and then we kept getting work, and we kept getting hired as a playwright and as director, and so we figured, well, let's just keep staying. Um, and so that summer, um, that first summer that we're here, we wanted to make theater, and decided that we would form our own theater company called Queen City Flash. And which one is the director and which one is the playwright? Uh, Bridget Leake is the director and Trey Tatum is the playwright. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm not, I'm not allowed to direct. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay away. I probably shouldn't write the words, so oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. We figured it out. Uh, and so um, on your website, and this is something I found really awesome about uh, the way that you guys have structured your organization, is that you've put uh, several different categories of theater. Um, and you've put... Uh, uh, categories include, like, flash mobs, mm-hmm. community, activism, flash you, and fringe. Um, and what I wanted to do today is kind of talk about all of them. Okay. kind of go through yeah. like, each one, w- what each one does. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have reviewed the website. No, 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 the website looks so good. I know. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on it. And so... Uh, let's start with uh, the big one, which is uh, Flash Mob. Yeah. Um, so when people normally think of Flash Mob, they think of like dancing in public. Or like weird proposals. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Weird proposals. Um, we get a lot of emails. We get them. a lot of emails from people being like, hey, I want to do something really special for my girlfriend. Um, do you think you guys could? And I was like, whoa, we're, we're not the people for that. Well, and I think if you really knew us, you'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't yeah, want to Yeah, we don't want anywhere. the. No. Like, yeah, we should not be organizing well, proposals. Well, like yeah. Fringe or <laughs> Fringe show in 2017 was a, like had like a serial killer theme that ran through it, and then like I thi- sh- honestly I think that's the perfect proposal right <laughs> it there. Is, it is if you really want them to be like, hey, I just want you to know what it's going to be like to join my family. Right. Please enjoy this serial killer themed <laughs> outdoor performance. Yeah. So when we came up with that with the idea, I mean, it's not a true flash mob in the sense the uh, the idea is that what we liked about the word flash is that we all come together. So when we created the flash mob theater company, or when we created the idea of the flash mob, Trey had taken all of Mark Twain's writings on Tom Sawyer and combined them into a four-play cycle called The Complete Tom. And it's more than just the two 
novels that you think of when you think Mark Twain. And so what we wanted to do was you pick a date and time to see the show, and then 4 p.m. the day of the performance, we email you the secret location. And to us, that was really exciting of like, we're going to take you to maybe a part of town that you've never been to, to a park that you may not exist, uh, know that exists in your backyard, and we're all going to come together. You're going to show up with a picnic. There's going to be actors setting up the stage, but it's not in stage in like the traditional setting. Um, you're going to play maybe soccer with one of our actors before the show starts with your kids. <laughs> I mean, it it's happens just gonna... every production where at some point we end up playing frisbee or soccer or something with kids in the park. Or but... playing with their dogs. Because there's mean, no there's, backstage. There's no backstage, and so there's no place to hide. So I love this idea of the flash of everyone comes together for this 90-minute thing and it's a performance but it's also we provide baked goods and free water and we just watch the sunset with the river in the background and it's there's just something really exciting and then after the 90 minutes it's done and as quick as the flash it's also disappears into the next performance so I, I like that idea of like theater doesn't have to be this structure it doesn't have to be a building it can literally be anywhere and I like the idea of audiences and actors and directors and writers all coming together for this brief moment in time. And also the the, the location said very last minute. So that's that yeah. makes it really yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's like a spontaneity to it. And then there's also this, you know, if it's if it's a neighborhood that you're not familiar with or if it's a park you're not familiar with, I mean we've scouted out all these locations and found really beautiful backdrops. Um, we did a, a performance, it was in Bellevue Park in Kentucky, where there at one point we're doing, you know, we're doing a Mark Twain play and one of the riverboats goes by and you can't plan that and there was something sort of magical and everyone whips out their iPhones because um, we encourage photo taking during our performances. So. That's also new. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so you said you uh, made the uh, complete Tom. So so we we moved here and I was unemployed for like the first six months because I had just come out of like a, like a really time intensive job and Bridget was like, hey, I have a job. Why don't you like stay home and, and write for a few months. And so uh, I was getting very antsy towards the end of that, and one day I'm biking along the river in the springtime, and I was like, hey, uh, Bridget, I think I wanna do um, The Avengers of Huckleberry Finn like along the river, and, and Bridget was like, well, that's a, that's a terrible idea for yep. a whole yeah. host of reasons. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. We don't have a car. Right. We that don't that have... sounds like making a traveling theater company does not sound wise. Right. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't do traveling theater when we don't own a vehicle. Right. And so I was like, okay, you're probably right. And then like a few weeks went by, and I was like, hey, listen, uh, actually, I've been thinking about it, and I think you're right. I think what we want to do is a four play cycle involving eleven different stories about Tom <laughs> Sawyer, uh, which didn't also didn't go over well. And then we got this like Cincinnati Art Ambassador Fellowship, or Bridget did uh, grant. She called me one day from work. I was like, hey. I think I found money for this dumb river thing you want to do. <laughs> yeah, and I finally at that point it's had convinced supportive. him that we were not doing it actually in the river, nor was I going to allow you to build, I wanted to a, build a raft. raft. Because again, that sounds we so have no car. Here's the thing. <laughs> she was absolutely right to dissuade me from building a raft, but I also, this story ends many years from now with us buying a pontoon boat and turning it into a stage for right, like eight for people. for like two people. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Mark that's, my word. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. So that that was the idea of sort of the flash mobs, and we're gonna be doing another one uh, later this summer. Oh uh, well, this fall. This fall, yeah. Yeah, summer is over. Right. And so, why was it important for it to be in multiple parts? Um, so part of the like Cincinnati like Art Ambassador Fellowship was that they wanted to celebrate local artists, but they also were really interested in like 
who you were reaching and how you were reaching people. And, and so like that was kind of a condition of the fellowship, but it also aligned really well with um, this belief that we have that just the art should be accessible. Right, like you, you don't have to get dressed up to go to an arts event. You shouldn't have to pay exorbitant prices to have access to an arts event. Preach, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, so all of our shows were free, and we just passed the bucket. And so to us, it was really important that I mean, it's also a great crash course for us. You know, get to know a city that we didn't know very well. Here, let's learn all the neighborhoods as we do this play cycle. But I, yeah, I think it was about. But it was about like it's like it should have a beautiful view. And it should be in a, it should be in a, if it's in a park, it should not be in a place that already has like a stage or, or an, an amphitheater. amphitheater. Yeah. It shouldn't have any, like it should be in a place where you would never expect to see a piece of theater. It should have something amazing to look at, some sort of sunset or the river or the skyline or, or something. Or the reds, fireworks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then, but then also we should, we need to be, find as many different neighborhoods as possible and when available it needs to be near a bus line you know so it's like there should be absolutely no reason to and keep you from like coming and it's like wheelchair accessible right yeah, or if it's or like and we try yeah. to have like accessibility like hey on this one it's paved all the way up into the playing space or in this one it's not paved but it's flat you know Surface, uneven surfaces yeah. or um because for us it's like i mean good good god it's like 80 bucks if you if you and your loved one and your two kids want to go see a movie it's just it's like eighty goddamn dollars, you know, between four tickets and popcorn and cherry coke, and that's like, I just don't understand. I don't. I don't know how you take your family places. And so for us, like, there a family of four could come and they could leave nothing in the bucket, or most more often than not, they would put in forty because they were like, hey, it's half the cost of what it would go, what it would take for us to go out to the movies. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, some of the other things you do, uh, that was Flash Mobs. Yes. And you're going to be doing one in uh, the fall. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to Do you want to tell? It's, we haven't really launched this idea yet. No, Can we, we haven't. Talk about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Secretary Hawkins. Uh, you've probably never heard this name before. It is, uh, so there is a local writer um, who was uh, living in Covington and wrote for the Inquirer. Am I getting this correct? Yeah. Robert yeah. Shul- yeah Robert Shulkers. He was... Um, he worked for the Inquirer, and one day the editor, I may also be getting the story a little wrong, the editor was like, hey, um, I need you to write a story for like the kids' corner section, of, like on the Sunday paper. And so he writes this story, and um, then a few months later he gets asked to do it again, and eventually the editor's like, it hey. It becomes a serialized, hey, this should Monday be a weekly through thing. Sunday, I want you to write a story every day. It wasn't, every, uh, it, it well, wasn't every, the, the format of the of each each Sunday's um, article, the format was, was in like week. a daily diary entry. Yeah for that week, but it was just once a week. Um, but it, so it just came to where like, uh, after doing this for a little while, he got asked just to make it an ongoing serialized thing. And what was really cool about it, when he started, it was it was 100 years ago this year, it was 1918. We were uh, in, you know, in World War One, and he writes this these uh, series of stories about like originally, little boys, who live in America while a war is happening. And so they form a little regiment. And, and they, they, have, they, they have fights with the Pelham boys on the other side of the river. And they meet. And the reason it's called Secretary Hawkins is that you're reading the boy who's the secretary of the cl- club can't spell the word secretary. So it's S-E-C-K. Secretary uh, Hawkins. Secretary uh. Hawkins. And so it's his journal entries of like what the gang was up to that But it's week. also, it's, it's like, it's also this, um, the, all the names have been changed, but it's very clearly a neighborhood 
neighborhood on the Licking River in Covington. And it's a perfect time capsule of like what life was like in this town on the river during this time period. Because it's like everything from like, there's this one um, entry where just like, Oh, we got mice in the basement, and Dad's not gonna let me play with the neighborhood boys unless, unless I can take care of this mi- mouse all problem. The, the, yeah. the, all these rats in the basement. So what we gotta do is we gotta find a cat, and it's just a week of, of boys walking coming. around with sticks trying to find cats, and then maybe accidentally killing the neighbor's cat. Oh, they 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 almost kill one cat. They definitely kill a second cat, and then like some guy gives them a sack full of kittens to drown, and they're like, oh, what if instead we use these to catch the rats? And at the end of the week. Uh, now this basement is infestated with like tons and tons of cats and the dad's like, all right. I don't want your help anymore. Right. But the only way you would, I mean, like one of the things that you would know if you've ever heard the name Secretary Hawkins is at the very end of To Kill a Mockingbird, um, when Jim has broken his arm, it is um, Atticus Finch is reading him this novel. And so we were approached by... Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. At the very end of the novel. Like the last two pages when she's like... is essentially because they were Harper Lee's favorite, it was her favorite set of novels growing up as a It was her brother's favorite books. Oh, that she would sneak in and read, yeah into his room after bedtime and take them and read, read them. them. And so, um, so we were approached by the Secretary Hawkins um, club um, that's still going strong. Um, oh, that, and that's the other thing that, that, that no one knows is that like, so this thing, it starts off in the Inquirer and then it gets picked up by other papers and then all of, and then the boys eventually, what was this little regiment of kids who are like play fighting World War One back in on the shores of Covington where like they're digging trenches and planting victory gardens becomes this like fair and square like kind of proto Nancy Drew Hardy Boys Club, um, which then like becomes syndicated in papers all over the country. Which then becomes the novel, which no, then becomes which, radio Radio story. shows yeah. like in throughout the thirties. So like in like the thirties there were like a million boys in like the Fair and Square Club. All over the country. And then it just kinda like you know, went away over time. So anyway, so it's their hundredth anniversary, and and it's like the, now it's like this aging club, and they're trying to get more and more people involved in it, and the stories are just goofy, silly, but wonderful, and it's and it and it feels so close to what we've just done with doing the complete Tom. Like we we know the you know the club of you know Jim Huck and Tom. Now we get to introduce Cincinnati or reintroduce Cincinnati to this other part of their history. Yeah. So yeah. We like to find stories that have some sort of local interest to them. We like to find stories, especially for the flash mobs, that can be family friendly. Um, and it's also like, what are stories that are adaptable to like being out on the on the river? And what better thing to do out on the licking than a bunch of stories that were written with for that, that for, for that, that place, from, yeah. you know, a century ago. That's wonderful. Yeah, I I will I will definitely have to go check that yeah. out because that that actually sounds awesome. Well, and it's a ton of fun because it's also like the whole the whole thing is you show up with a blanket and you show up with cupcakes or we show up with cupcakes yeah, and, and brownies water. and waters and bug spray and lots of bug spray. We have yeah. we have this one family that comes out who they bring like just more hooch than you've ever seen in so your much, life. So much alcohol. Just yeah. like, like, or they'll come up with, a, they'll like set up a table with like sandwiches. And they have like and, appetizers and like mixed drinks for the, I mean like they, they go all like out. like big gulps of wine. And they're like, no, we got babysitters for tonight. Oh yeah. this is our night out. Yeah, there was this one show where like there was a, hor- we were at Mount Storm and there was a horrific thunderstorm, but we were next to a little storm shelter and he was like, I was like, hey guys, I'm really I'm afraid. I think we, we're gonna have to cancel. We're gonna have to cancel. And he's like, no, you're not. We got a babysitter. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I don't have to be home until midnight. So, so uh, he, you're doing a show. So the audience moved us into the storm shelter, and we were like, okay, we'll just adapt it to play in this like eight by eight square that's available to us while everyone else squeezes in behind. 
Um, That's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's silly. And it's yeah. great that you have an audience like that. Yeah, that they're game. Well, and that's the other thing we discovered is that audiences in Cincinnati are willing to come see sort of every, everything I mean, that's the crazy thing about this town. And I, and I don't think a lot of people, I think people who live here probably understand it, but I think, you know, people who don't know Cincinnati have no idea that, like, people in this town are willing to pay money, like cash money, to see super weird art by somebody they've never heard of. Yeah. To just, like, take yeah. a gamble and take a chance. And it's like, you know, when we had moved here, we were coming from a place where, like, all you did all day, every day, was beg your friends to spend way too much money to come see you in a thing. Yeah, yeah. And your you'd go friends. Yeah. And you'd go see them in a thing in return, and it's just this, like, cycle of, like, clapping for each other. And here, it's not that. It really yeah. is, like, there's this gigantic community of people who are hungry for the arts. Yeah. And it's lovely. It's amazing. So speaking of uh, hungry people, go ahead. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of cash being given out to weird art, the Fringe Festival. Yeah. Um, you guys have done several shows there. This um, is our fifth year. Fifth year. Fifth year. Yeah. And so, the most recent one was of Monster Descent. Yes. Which I was at the Fringe Festival and I didn't get to go see. It was just so me bad. screaming at you for sixteen <laughs> minutes. So you really. No, so you're it was, fine. Um, I mean, the Fringe Festival has become, and the reason it's now on our website is because we've done it every year for the last five years. It doesn't fit into anything we do, like, programmatically in terms of, like, activism or, community. or the flash mob stuff. But it, it really is something that w was the reason that we stuck around in Cincinnati and has just been such a joy for us to create something completely different and completely wild every year. So the first year that we, uh, we did a show, it was slut-shaming. Um, which has now taken on sort of a life of its own and ended up winning the artist pick of the fringe. And yeah, of Monster Descent ended up winning the um, full frontal pick of the fringe. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's, pretty, it's pretty exciting to have a place where we can just play and just do something really wild. So how does the mentality of uh, rehearsing and developing a show change when for your flash mobs, you don't really have a particular location? but you have to set it up yourselves versus somewhere like the fringe, which is almost like middle of the road where yeah, you kind of you, know, you like, know, but yeah, it's where a little he, bit yeah. iffy and you don't I mean, know. I don't, I think, I think for us, it's not so much about staging. It's about being game. Like we're always looking for actors and for partners who are just game to go with it. Because it, I mean, there is something, there's the unpredictability about doing a flash mob, but the same thing goes with fringe. Like you don't know what venue you're going to get. You don't know what size your audience is going to be. There are a lot of unknowns. And so I think we're always looking for people who well, are just and our, our want rehearsal, to play. Our rehearsal process, I don't think has changed at all since the first show we did here. Because, look, like there are, a, there are a couple of, like, moving pieces here, right? And one of them is there's a super, super vibrant arts community, and the arts continue to be kind of expensive to, to do, you know, between, sure. like, space or, or insurance or props or set or whatever, right? Um, and so all of our friends are their dancers with pones who have day jobs, or they're actors at, you know... OTR improv who have day jobs or there are college students who are you know full-time students and have jobs and also acting and so like you have all of these people who this is the thing that, that they love and artists traditionally are right their artists are always making sacrifices to be able to do the thing that they love whether it's taking like lesser paying jobs that give them more flexibility right or sure, if it's sure. or if it's not rising the ranks at a company because you do have to take so much off time or downtime or you're changing jobs you know so for us the big thing is we pay people we pay people 
you know. And I don't want to spend. You. I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a set when I, that's not the thing I care about. I care about the people who I work with, and I want to make sure they want to work with us again. So because Trey and I did way too much free theater or paid to do theater in New York City, when we moved here, we're like, well, if we're going to form a theater company, we're going to pay people. Bless you both. Yeah. Well, so so part so like. On the on like the Queen City well that's not even on the Queen City Flash side one of the things that we say is you know fifty one percent of the budget goes towards people yeah and we're super transparent about that um, because it's just not worth it to me to spend money on props and costume pieces and then ask you to to do this for a fifty dollars stipend like it's, sure it's not worth it to me um, and it's and it shouldn't and it's not how I value people so for instance like when we do Fringe we have a Google Doc. You and get it on day one. You get it on. We share it with you on day one. We drop in every single thing that we buy, uh, postcards, posters, any kind of marketing thing, any prop thing, any set thing. And you're able to like, we're accountable to you as our actors, right? You can go online and you can see that we're not spending extravagantly. And then we show you every penny that we made from the show. And then we divide by the number of people involved. Right. So I make the same amount as the actor directing the show, and you make the same yeah. amount as an actor, even though you wrote it for right. three I'll months. Right. Yeah. I'll spend three, four months writing it. I don't make a dollar more than you make, because at the end of the day, we're squabbling over 60s of dollars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so for me, it's like... When we, so if you're going to do a show of ours, right, the rehearsal process is going to be fast and loose. You're going to be in this living room with all the furniture pushed up against <laughs> the walls. With the dog who wants to lick your face you're off. You're going to be yeah. in the backyard because the weather was nice. You're going to be in the basement of a church that our friend owns that's loaning it to us for a couple of weeks. Um, there's going to be a shit ton of alcohol and food on the table at our first read-through. We're going to have a couple of boozy rehearsals if the weather is nice. Because, you know, like, you know, it's the thing that, like... Making theater is the thing that we love, but also like if that's true, then every component of it should be something that you love. The experience to. of the, making the theater yeah, should, should be, be as fun. In, should be yeah. as as enjoyable as the yeah. theater itself. It should yes. be emotionally simulating, intellectually simulating. It should be socially simulating. You should be excited to come and work for us. Because again, at the end of the day, you know we're not. You're not paying off a car, making you know with what sure. we're paying you to, right. to do theater. Yeah, but. I, you know, hopefully in saying that you make the same that I make and we're going to show you the books. But they're also, like, we're all working for each other at that point, too. Right. So, um, you know, so many actors are like, don't go buy that. I have that in my living room. Let me go get it. And so you're, you're suddenly having people who want to help because we're yeah. all working towards the same goal. Yeah, you're building, you're, you're building the camaraderie of the company that you want. And, like, and so, like, we're a theater company of two, but not really because, like, if I need... X, Y, and Z, I know who I'm calling and I know that they're going to say yes to me because we're hopefully maintaining a culture where like, we're, we're fun and engaging to work with, we make a product that you're happy to be a part of and, and we've, we've proven to you day in and day out that we are so grateful and happy to have you with us. You yeah, know? Absolutely. So It's a more collaborative environment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, so yeah, so when it comes to like doing a fringe where you know the venue or doing a flash where you don't know the venue, it really is about like, you know, we still have the same three and a half weeks to figure it out together anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not going to have the script done on day one. <laughs> so sure. like we don't even have three and a half weeks, you right. know, so it's going to be, it's going to be fast and loose and who's bringing the beer tonight, you know? <laughs> I love that. Um, and so final thing about the fringe, did you get to see any shows what was your favorite? Oh my gosh. So Trey and I make it our job to see as many shows as humanly possible. And we thought this time around, because we just had so much going on with life, that we weren't going to see any. And I ended up seeing 20... You saw 21 and I saw 19. Yeah, shows. So That's crazy. My favorite was uh, Show Up. 
That was oh, thank you. Marino's show up was by far. shout well, shout he, out to Peter. He yeah. is in Edinburgh right now. He's uh, hustling. He's yeah. hustling. Like uh, he is he's doing, doing a show lot. Up, show up kids right now, yeah. which I think is incredible. Um, we that was the most engaging, truthful. I mean, like I cried, I laughed. I mean, I, all the things. But I yeah. I really enjoyed that show. Katie Charles. Regrooving? Is that what it yeah, was called? Yeah, Regrooving. Her dance piece yeah. was yeah. really... I, I love everything that Katie Chal does. Yeah. I just I just think she's just the Su- most wonderful talented. person yeah. and crazy talented. And her show was really lovely. Um, what else did we see that we really loved? There, were, there was a My brain is just dead. I know. I, like my, I'm like, May? That was so long ago. <laughs> that was ago. a million years ago. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was able to interview a bunch of people uh, at the Fringe Festival. And I tried to see all the ones that I interviewed... And some were I saw before, and then right. interviewed them. Some I interviewed them and went, "Oh crap, I need to go I see that go now." See, yeah. Um, but I mean, there were so many great shows this year. Yeah. 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 Paul and ex trash Oh my was gosh, super fun. so much fun. You, I didn't get to see Eddie Poe, but you really I enjoyed really, it. I really, I mean, the, I think the Cold Hearts are, I mean, just can do no wrong. I yeah, know. but you love brilliant. Them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we saw a lot. Well, good. I mean, and I and I think that's the point of the Fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Is to be able to see everyone's art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's two down, three to go. <laughs> We're doing great. Um, you also have, uh, the community aspect. Yeah. And, um, can you describe Space for the Future? Because it's a project that you did last year, Last year, yeah, last, last June. Um, so we were, um, ooh, I don't know how to condense this as much as humanly possible. Um, the, the... Info- we got introduced to Ryan Mulligan, who mm-hmm. at the time was working for Cradle Cincinnati. Okay. And Ryan Mulligan was, and I, he made, this may not be like, like factually correct, but yeah. I feel like, it, I feel like emotionally, emotionally really this correct. is correct, yeah. right? The way Cradle Cincinnati was kind of set up, there was like, hey, these are like the marketing people, and these are like the finance people, and these are the administrative people, and then like, here's Ryan, the weird idea guy. Just ideas. Just come up with ideas. And so, um, I feel like that's my ideal job. Yeah. Right? No, and he's he's brilliant, but the thing that, he, that he's really great at is, you know, we have a really high infant mortality rate in Cincinnati, and it used to be twice the national average, and we've gotten a little lower, um, but specifically, Avondale has a really high infant mortality rate, which is crazy because Children's Hospital is located right there. And so um, Cradle Cincinnati is the organization that is working to lower the infant mortality rates in Cincinnati. And they reached out to Ryan, who reached out to us, and, and was like, hey, I think theater can lower the infant mortality rate. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that because we're not doctors. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that empathy is a thing that we can work on and working, you know, working with these mothers yeah. was... Because well, Ryan was interested in the intersection between art, art and, and public health. Yeah, right? sure. Or art and public good. Um, and so we, and it, for, so we came up with a 12-week program when it was three months. Um, we found a bunch of um, women from like the Price Hill... Uh, area and it kind of, kind of sp- way beyond that as yeah. well, but primarily focused in Price Hill, um, who were kind of game to try out a weird theater-based, um, I don't know, support group. Yeah. Right. And yeah, maybe, yeah. On your website, it said basically it's like theater slash support group slash playwriting exercise. Yeah. yeah. And so for for well, us, and we we had an idea going into it of what we thought the project would be, and then it and radically we were, transformed. We were radically yeah. wrong, and we pretty early on in the process we we're like, oh no, this is not the underlying issue that we should be addressing with these with these mothers. Um, let's talk about this other thing. And so what we kind sure. of where the where we took um, space for the future 
was let's help these mothers spend time focusing on themselves and because that's not a thing that you get, right? If you're if you're overtaxed and overburdened, sure. you know you don't have if you're if you're spending every moment of the day chasing rent or helping your children or working on this part time job or getting that or getting, extra gr- degree, or, yeah, or taking care of a loved one who's ill. You're not spending time on yourself. So let's let's spend time to let you focus on yourself, to let you interact with other women who have the same sorts of um, of of issues and struggles that you have. And let's also help you craft your own, like from a theater standpoint, let's help you craft a personal na- uh, narrative. That because empowers, yeah, because by like owning your story or telling your story, you, there is like an ownership that happens. Yeah, well the the, the example that- yeah, That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. The, the example that I give that I think cements it for me, right? Is that like no one walks out of a Batman movie going, ugh, what a sad story that was, right? And you yeah. could. You could totally easily be like, hey- His th- parents died. This is a story yeah. about a little boy whose parents were murdered right in front of him. Yeah. And his descent into uh, this dark side. And it's not, right? It's a like, hero story. It's a, it's, it's, it's a survivor tale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, no one looks at Batman and goes, oh, what a sad story. Because we don't focus on the impetus. We focus on like what you do to overcome struggles right so like we should be applying that same narrative when we talk about ourselves right like is is let's look at your personal narrative and let's reframe it as like look at what you're able to overcome look at the inner strength that you have that you don't have time to sit back and acknowledge and let's put you in a room full of other women who can also say yes i see this in you and it's amazing that you have you know you're working so hard at this or you're you know you're working to lose the weight or or quit smoking and you're you know or to get your kid into a better school or to get a better job job or to finish a certification program, you know, we like, you're too tired to see how well you're doing or how much you're accomplishing or like how well you're able to manage life and personal goals. And sitting back here, I want you to know that I see you. I see you on the right path. I'm in your corner supporting you. And when you come in here having had a horrible day because of X, Y, and Z that happened the night before, you're in a room full of people who, who can empathize, who can understand, who, or, or who can offer advice because they've made it, already made it through the struggle that you're currently with. And so it was improv games, and well, not even just improv, right? The way we structure everything, because it's not enough to just do theater, yeah. right? If it was enough to just do theater, we wouldn't stay up all night every night baking brownies for the following night's shows, yeah. right? Yeah. Or like running around trying yeah. to find ice to put in the cooler. <laughs> so you show up at nine o'clock and breakfast is already there waiting on you. Um, and, and we pick you up. Well, if, yeah. you, if you need it, yeah, if yeah. you need it, you need yeah, sorry. Ride, our, yeah. Day, our day starts the night before we're running out to the airport to get a van, yeah. you know? Um, or asking one of our teaching artists to get up early to come and get you, or asking a friend's mother to bake breakfast because she volunteered. So breakfast is there for you and your kids. And then we had daycare downstairs for the children, and then the moms worked upstairs with us and a bunch of other artists. Right, so here's three hours a day, one day a week, and it's and it's improv or monologue writing, or it's movement-based things, or a, a voice and speech-based exercises. But let's, yeah, let's get you... Because it's also not just like theater, right? Like it's also like job interviews are all these skills. Yeah. yeah. You know, or like being able to confidently articulate how you feel in a moment to a partner because you're stressed and tired and you need my, to be heard. My favorite example is Paul Wilson, who's an improviser from OTRI that we just love and adore and work with nonstop. Um, he had this game where um, he's like, okay, in the center of the room is a couch and I want everyone to describe the couch, you know, using weird adjectives or whatever. Oh, this and, couch is purple. This yeah, couch is this a game, time machine. It flies. This and, couch floats. And so then, you know, 
everyone's shouting out all these suggestions, and he's like, great, okay, stop. Now, I want everyone to shout out what other people suggested. That you liked. That you liked. And you're like, oh, I like that it was purple. Oh, I like that it's a time machine. And then you'd stop and be like, okay, great. Didn't it feel really good when other people mentioned the thing that you came up with? Wasn't it like really validating like, to know that you said something today that like stuck with somebody that and made had worth? someone excited and that they really enjoyed? Okay, next game, and it's it's something about that of like it, you know making people confident and excited about what that their ideas are are yeah. valid. Yeah. And so we do two and a half hours of theater games or exercises or just like sitting in a circle and talking about what was going on that week, and then the day ended with um, lunch. With lunch. Yeah. And Tupperware containers to go home if there were leftovers for people who wanted to take leftovers home to someone who couldn't be there today. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely think the the person that you were talking about that brought the idea to you definitely understood that theater really translates to so many things. Yeah. And I mean that it's really it's it's a fantastic thing that you guys are doing. What is what have been the responses from the people that have been able to? Uh, so we, d- we did, um, the women who were involved, um, I, I still talk to regularly, um, and you know, they keep me up to date on what's going on. And our final performance that we did, um, was such an emotional day. I mean, we did a performance and it was mostly the people who came was friends and family of the women who were performing, but also a lot of people who, um, from arts wave and from LISC who donated to help make this experience possible. Um, and so we didn't invite a lot of our theater friends and I think that was it ended up being for the best because the response was incredible Um, because these women were really lifting each other up in a way that I don't think they'd ever experienced before and that other people hadn't seen Um, and so to to come out of this you know three-month program and it felt like we had our own little community that we had built in those three months yeah yeah that's really wonderful um and so uh, you were ta- just talking about, you know, impacting, uh, having an impact through the arts. And uh, the fourth, we're getting there. Yeah. The fourth <laughs> um, is activism. And I was, I was going through your website, and one of the titles of a show that you've, got, you've done, which made me laugh out loud sitting at my computer, was Ken Ham's Journey to the Center of the World. And I... I, I legitimately laughed out loud and I had to take a quick moment to like, you know, make sure my eyes could adjust so I can read again. <laughs> and can you tell me about that play? Yeah. And, and why you ended up doing being able to talk about that topic and why it's important. Yeah, so uh, essentially uh, Ken Ham's Journey to the Center of the Earth was a Raiders of the Lost Ark remake. Essentially, like scene by scene. Like scene by scene. The opening sequence, like we did the whole opening sequence, the switching of the bag of, of sand for the gold idol. It was a can of soup and the... Uh, horn the, from Jericho. The horn from Jericho. So oh it was a little gosh. wacky. But no, so when we first moved here, um, the winter that, that we first moved here, there was that Ken Ham debate with Bill Nye, the yeah. science guy. And I wanted to go and so Trey bad. And wanted to go so bad. I was like, Trey, you cannot give these people money. <laughs> and so and so just for clarification, Ken Ham is... Uh, uh, he is the founder of Answers and, and Genesis. Uh, what does yeah, it, what it doesn't matter. Uh, he, he 
he runs the creation. But it's, so it's Andrews and Genesis is the website. And yeah. they also own the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. And now the Observatory. The planetarium. the planetarium. They built a planetarium yeah. because that's a really, we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah. It's, uh. so, but, but basically the belief in creationism is that the Earth oh, young is Earth only creation. six, basically, six thousand years old yeah. instead of. Well, young Earth creationism. Yes. He's very specifically, he's a young Earth creationist. The Earth is 6,000 years old. Dinosaurs and man lived, roamed the Earth at the so same time. So you go to the Creation Museum, so I hear there is a dinosaur with a saddle I've heard on that. I've never been. There is. Okay. Yeah. I just so, can't spend the money. Uh, yeah. So I told Trey, I was like, Trey, A, you can't go there um, because we're not giving them money. And it's like, it's just something obscene to like, to the ticket charge is now, especially yeah. if you include the there, there are a lot of There are a lot of um, reviews and videos on YouTube of people going, going, well, what? what is this? Yeah. So I told Trey he couldn't go. And then the and then there was a blizzard was, anyway. Yeah, there was a, a giant blizzard that night. And the and we debate was go. happening and there was a blizzard. So Trey couldn't go. But we watched it. And the thing that was terrifying is that I was like, oh man, Ken Ham, he's so crazy. He's not. No, he's a very he's intelligent, yeah. well-spoken brilliant, man. well-spoken man. And Bill Nye ended up looking like the crazy one. Bill Nye lost that debate so hard. Because Bill because... Nye's just pleading to be like, yeah, I don't have the answers. Prove me wrong. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can. There's this thing called the Bible. And I was like, no, no. And so Bill Nye was, because he's so passionate about science, he ended up looking like the crazy person. And the person I thought was crazy ended he didn't, up... It wasn't even so much that he looked crazy. It's just that like... he, he It looked like he did didn't have the answers in the moment that people were asking. Right, yes. but, well, but at any time he needed the answer, Ken Ham was like, well, I've got this book, ha, ha, ha. But the thing, too, is that, like, and beyond that, though, right, like, Ken Ham is very good at um, propaganda, I guess is the word. Like, public yeah, no, per- totally public perception. But, like, yeah. he's, but the thing is, any question you have, he's come up with a one-sentence answer that you can memorize yeah. immediately, and it's a little difficult to refute if you've never heard it before. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So like his whole, my favorite thing about like, you can squish a mosquito, right? And all of the goo needed to make a mosquito is right there, but you can never evolve a mosquito from, from that goo. goo. And it's like, well, that's, yes, that is correct. <laughs> but that's also not how evolution works. Right. So and I'm what, having, but I'm having a very difficult time coming like up with words to refute this because what are, what are you saying? So yeah. who was who was saying that we should be able to make things out of goo? So Trey really wanted to take on this idea of like, hey, this is in our backyard. You know, it's in Kentucky. It's right, you know, right over the river. Oh, it's, and, it's dangerous, is what it is. Because it's yeah. not just like the thing is, is like he doesn't sound crazy. And his whole thing is like teach the controversy, right? We should be teaching young earth creationism, or at least the controversy of young earth creationism in yeah. school, to let kids have access to both and to see which one they think makes the most sense. Um, and he, and the thing is, he's also subverting science, right? Like he's, I, I read like 1300 pages of creationist dogma the sure, summer that sure. we did this thing. His, um, I forget the new answers books, but there's four of them. Each one's like 350 pages long and they just answer really awful questions about like how the T-Rex was a vegetarian and, and like how giant boulders underneath the oceans caused the flood and it doesn't matter. Um, but the thing is, is that he wants it taught in schools, you know, and and he wants um, the controversy taught, and it's super dangerous the fact that like you can subvert science in this way, sure. right? Because so, because it's not just it's not just like honestly like here's the thing, right? The Earth is six thousand years old. Who cares? You're gonna live eighty years. I'm gonna live eighty years. We are not impacted by how old the Earth is, right? It doesn't impact us. But but 
all of your homophobia is also hidden within this dogma, and all of like your weird backward sexism is also hidden within this dogma. And so, like, you know, you're not just teaching children that the T-Rex was a vegetarian, you're also teaching them what the Bible says uh, about homosexuality being a sin, right? And this is where, it, to me, it's like it gets really dangerous because we're eroding like faith in science and we're ero eroding trust in science, and then what we're supplanting it with is like insidious. So, so let's so, make weird art about it. So Trey decided that he was going to make this uh, Indiana Jones parody about uh, Ken Ham. So in our play, uh, Ken Ham is Indiana Jones, and he is... Because if you think about it... Which is hilarious. If you think about it, though... He is like a weird... Indiana Jones is also kind of like... A bad he, scientist. Well, he goes around <laughs> the world, kind of like defiling archaeological digs and finding Christian artifacts that happen to be magically real. Right. right, the art of the, of the covenant gets opened up, and goddamn, like god Goblins ghosts, fall like out. Yeah. ghosts come out of them. Right. So, so, so in our parody, um, Ken Ham is Indiana Jones, and at the beginning, he's looking for the horn of Jericho, which he finds, and then it's you know it's, it's stolen by stolen. those damn uh, evolutionists. Yeah. So then um, he's hired by this woman who runs a museum, and um, her, she wants she wants to send Ken Ham on a journey to the center of the earth to find the Garden of Eden before the evolutionists do so that he can claim it for God and so the evolutionists won't claim it for science. And that sounds so, like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It wasn't yeah. that yeah. the last one? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't see the sixth one of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Is but yeah. six? I don't know. That sounds right. Um, that sounds so, disgusting. So for us, it was really about, like, let's talk about some of these topics that are brought out, and but also let's poke a little fun because I think parody is the best way to sort of tackle some of it because it is so unbelievable and so ridiculous it, it is we, we put his beliefs on stage yeah and i didn't we didn't alter what he says is real or what he says there's is not a real. part of the play where it's literally a ted talk and we go through point by point of what he well, says well no that the ted talk was like a refuting of like well the way yeah he but crafts, the way he crafts arguments is like very scary to me um but no but we were like okay yeah let's let's actually oh you have a document that you have to sign if you want to work at the creation museum okay, let's well, let's read it yeah let's right. talk about what that document yeah. says yeah yeah you, you have to sign a document saying that like you can be fired if you ha if we find out that you masturbate or have an affair right yeah. like uh, so, so you're basically taking all of his points that you find to be ridiculous and then using his own words and the own documents that you've been able to find to s basically satirize legitimately what he has said well here's yeah. the thing here's the thing let's just say that like you you've got family from connecticut and they come to visit and they go oh my god we've heard about this crazy arc we want to go you might be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun thing that you guys can do. You know, yeah, yeah if y'all want to go, y'all want to go. That's fine. But the thing is, what I would rather happen is now come watch the show. Let me show you what his beliefs are. Let me read out loud his statement of faith that he forces employees to work on. Um, let me... Let's, let me lead you through every, what this ideology is so that next time when your family comes in town and goes, hey, I think we want to see this big old silly goofy arc, you can now are prepared to be like, oh, no, 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 no. This man's a monster and like maybe... Maybe, we, maybe you shouldn't give him all the money. Maybe don't give him your money, yeah. Grandma. Sure. Right, maybe go to like, I don't know. Go Somewhere. to the Sign Museum. Right. The Sign Museum is so <laughs> lovely. Go spend your money there. And to my knowledge, they don't think the earth is 6,000 years <laughs> right. old. That'd be kind of wild if they did that. Yeah. Wouldn't it be yeah. really wild if they were like, yeah. These signs were around at the same time. Just a sign randomly were. in the yeah. corner says six thousand. Okay, yeah. um, and so you were talking about, uh, you know, e educating people through uh, this theater, 
And so, so the big thing for us, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 please. The, 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 the big thing for us is that you don't change hearts and minds with statistics, right? You don't. You don't. Telling somebody, oh, this many people died of this horrible thing last year doesn't move anybody. Uh, I don't believe. Um, and so when it comes to like, how do I tell you something, it should be through an engaging, character-driven story, right? And, uh, and it shouldn't be... Um, so when we did slut shaming, which is about like how victims of sexual assault are further victimized by their communities, we didn't have nine Statistics, different protagonists. Yeah. We just pick to show you the nine different ways it could happen. Pick a person, you know, have a protagonist, give her a journey. Let's story, follow. Let's yeah. follow that because that's how that's how you 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 move people's minds and hearts. And so with Ken Ham, it was like, all right, like we're gonna put his beliefs on stage, unadulterated. And then we're going to put up some counter arguments to what he says on stage unadulterated. But we're also going to like really faithfully redo an Indiana Jones movie. There's going to be like bangs and punches and whip cracks. And like we, we bought like those, those things that you shove up a baby's nose to suck the snot out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we, we bought those and we reversed, we reversed the valve on it and then filled it with baby powder so that when you squeeze the bulb, like baby powder shot out so that when Ken Ham is running along a wall, you can go bang, 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 bang. And, and then, then like we see the shot of dust, dust will come off. Yeah. Cause it's like, let's no, it's actually, it's going to be an action movie. You know, we're yeah. going to do all the tropes that you remember. Um, and we're going to turn a man into a skeleton or whatever, whatever, because like, if we can get you to laugh for 70 minutes, we can get you to think for the other 20 that you're there. Sure. Um, if a creationist saw it, do you think that they would enjoy the theater? So we actually, um, No Theater got a couple of phone calls because we did it at No Theater and they were like, um, is Ken Ham in it? And we were like, oh, oh, you have Or does no he life. sanction, is he yeah, sanctioning this he, event? Like, and we got, so they got a lot of phone calls about that and apparently, because we were secretly hoping we'd get a cease and desist, like really, we really badly wanted really one. Badly wanted one, just for the I, publicity. I think you should have just ran with the notion that yes, he is a part of it. Right. And <laughs> just told people. Um, but no, no, because so, then he may have showed up. Right. Um, so no, I don't, I mean, I don't think that if you are a, well, here's the thing, right? Like we're not cruel people. Right. And, and I also don't think you're, you're, you're stating, you're stating your opinions on stage, but I don't, but I also don't think you like change people's minds by like belittling the opinions of others. So again, sure. it's like, look, these are, these are, here are two belief systems and here are like here's what I think about how one belief system is being like systematically broken down, and here's what I believe about how the other belief system is being presented to you to make you feel things. Sure, agree or disagree. Right. You know, I'm not. I mean, like, Ken Ham is the protagonist, and he is telling you the Earth is six thousand years old, and the person who doesn't believe him is the like the state auditor from the state of Kentucky who's forced to go on this journey, kind of like the the, uh, the lawyer in Jurassic Park, right? How it's like the lawyers and all the, the outside consultants who have to go through the park, right? It's like that, that, that trope. So like, here are both sides. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's satire. So it's satire. But you I absolutely, I mean, like, here's the thing. That, that, the, us saying that we don't believe your belief system would not be the thing that would offend a young earth creationist. It'd be the fact that we said goddamn like 30 times. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like at one point, uh, I came out dressed as Jesus and we recreated Martha Stewart Living Magazine, but it was, but it was Jesus, Jesus Christ Living Magazine with like all of the like... Um, uh, 20, 20 ways to upgrade your loaves and fishes recipes. Yeah, yeah. lent 40 days to a better bikini body. That's funny. What is that dog doing back there? And so... Um, you were talking about, uh, you know, uh, trying to teach something that you guys believe. And also, um, finally, we get to the last one. Yeah. 
which is Flash U. Now, I will say this is the one I know the least about. It's, we've only we've only done it twi- twice. Twice. Yeah. We would like to do it more. Yeah. Um, However, it is it is really great because you basically get a group of students to produce a show in five days and then perform it as one of basically like the flash, flash mob, mob. Yep. Where you get sent the location and you see the show that's been put together in five days. Yeah. Here's the thing. There are a couple of pieces moving here. I keep saying that. Yeah. Um, when you graduate college, you're, if, if you're a theater artist and you graduate college, the first thing that you want to do is find some gigantic theater organization to, to hire for, you, yeah. to pay you lots of money, and to consistently hire you so that you can get your Actors' Equity Union card so that you can work at larger and bigger theaters. You know, you have that, like... Stepping stone how do I, how, how, how do I make it. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, where, where do I slot in the Grammy that I'm going to win? Yeah. You know? Like, you have this trajectory. And I think... So what do the other 50% do? Yeah, or yeah. the other like 85%. 85% who can, don't get hired by a large organization. So for us, it's about like, here's a crash course in self-producing. Because you're going to have to do it. You're you going to have to do it. If so, you, you want to be making, because the thing about like our second year here, we made 13 plays in one year. And some of them, wow, that's a some lot. Some of them were shorter. Yeah, you know, like Pones invited us to create like a ten minute piece to go with their like walking um, POV. Yeah, tour. Tour. So of downtown. Yeah. Uh, and then we did like a serials piece that was kind of short too. But like, you know, we made work for an entire year, and it was way too much, and we were way too tired and way too grumpy and broke from spending every resource we had making theater. But like, if you want to be a working theater artist, if or if you have like, if you feel the desire to like be creative on a daily basis, you're going to be self-producing at some point. So like, here, here are the tools to do don't, that. Or don't be bogged down by like, right. oh shit, how much? I don't have a, se- I don't have a set. I or... can't make, I can't make theater until at first I make a Kickstarter, right? Like that mentality. Sure, yeah. Get, like let's not do yeah, that. Yeah, let's not get caught up in the fundraising. Yeah. You, you, if you read the news on Monday and you're outraged, you start writing on Tuesday, and then two weeks later you open a show. And you make what you make, you know, like there's it's a really great mentality because it keeps everything current and what you want to be talking you, about. Right. And that and that's also like I hear, you know, a lot of theater is just like, oh, well, theater takes so long to catch up to what and I was like, no, theater in the moment can be a, a direct reflection of your thoughts or your frustrations with the world in that moment. You don't have to wait six months to like find a group, find a piece that you find is moving. Or, or that other thing that happens where you're like, oh, I'm an actor, I don't have a script. Or, oh, I'm a director. And I don't have a cast, I, I yeah. Have, you know, it's like, no, no, no. Like, the, all of these things are super easy to solve. Get a bunch of creative people in a room, decide that you want to make a response to something, and get to work. Yeah. It, it, it's a very it, it's a very fringe mentality. Yeah. It's, it's what is current, what can I do, how can I express it, and let's just go do it. Yeah, so we we've done it twice now at James Madison University, and the yeah we build a play in five days with their students. We show up on Monday, and we get everyone in a room, and we make a gigantic list of like what are all of the things that are upsetting you or frustrating like you, like the social justice issues that you want to take on, or like what was in the news this week yeah. that you're like really upset about. And then again, and then let's try to find some local angle that we can like attach to it, like some sort of production concept or lens to put on top a world to view this issue through. And then let's spend Tuesday, Wednesday writing. Let's rehearse all day Thursday and let's build props out of cardboard and spray paint because we shouldn't be spending a lot of money. And then Friday, we do two performances on your campus That's for amazing. your audience. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. And, and it's the same rules where like people have to sign up for tickets. Uh, uh, they, they're emailed the secret location. About an hour before the show, they're told where on campus to go to and 
we, you know, call this number, go on Facebook, text your friends, you know, check your email, whatever you need to do. But we disseminate this location. You show up and like we do like a four or five in the afternoon kind of show so that like faculty can also come and see what their students have been working on. And then on. we do like an 8 p.m., 9 o'clock show. And then we do the rowdy one. We do the rowdy one yeah. at like 10 <laughs> o'clock at night. Uh, and so like our the one this year was a lot of fun because so like Charlottesville. Uh, has so, just happened, and yeah. we're you know we're in North Carolina at James Madison University. No, um, we're in Virginia, baby. We're oh well, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Virginia, um, North Carolina. My mind, kind of. Um, so so we wanted to do something like that was still in the foreground of the conversation well, that was also, happening like, there. Richard Spencer is going around to different college campuses all over the country and like suing colleges that won't let him come like spew his hate speech at their campus. Yeah. And so the kids were like, you know, I want to talk about, that's what I want to talk about, like the rise of white nationalism and the, and like the weird intersection with like college campuses. And we're like, okay, cool. White nationalism. That's a thing that we can that's handle. Great. Here but, we go. But we, you know, what's the lens? Right. Like what is the, what is the, what is the protagonist narrative driven story? Cause again, we're not just going to shout statistics at you. And you, and also you're not. It's the difference between a speech and, theater right yeah. and yeah. you're also not allowed to say white nationalists are bad right sure. like that also like, like we know oh, that how brave <laughs> how brave for you to stand up and say that you know clan members are bad good for you Derek so, you so know it's, it's all about like what can we what, what is the lens that we're going to see this and what is your point of view and what is your perspective and what is the message that you think you could communicate to like-minded college students so it's not the you know the pot calling the kettle black you know and so the kids were like oh well I think the issue on top of white nationalists are also all of the other people who think that they can ignore it because it's just a joke. The it'll, bystanders. The bystanders who think it'll yeah. never pick up steam so I don't have to pay attention to it. And I was like, great, now that's a story that we can tell. And the kids decided that they wanted to redo an episode of Scooby-Doo. And oh. so, so we did. So the uh, lights up. I mean, lights up. We're outside. Lights up, and the, this gang is driving by the old haunted campus at James Madison yeah, University. The mystery, yeah, the mystery machine breaks down outside breaks the down. old haunted college campus. And so the gang starts like seeing ghosts, which are the white national, which are the Klansmen running around campus. Um, and so they're trying to solve the mystery of like why is this campus haunted and who's start who's started all of. Yeah, the, and, yeah. and then we do all the tropes. So we, you know, there's the mystery machine and like the old creepy caretaker and like the Scooby Doo doors, doors chasing. people chasing each other. Yeah. And then you know, finally, the twist at the end is that the kids have to unmask themselves as the bystanders who allow this culture to rise on their watch. The crazy thing though was while we were there, the, um, we were performing on a Friday. On Thursday night, someone had flyered the campus in the middle of the night with white nationalist flyers. Um, and that, w I mean, luckily it was a lot of them were taken down before any of the students saw it. Um, but it, it is like, this is a very alive topic that is happening on your yeah, campus. Talking about relevance. Right. And so to me, I think that was also, it got them fired up, which again, we're just trying to, you know, fire up these young people. But we wrote a 45 minute script in two days. I mean, there was like 12 of us around the 45 table. Minutes? 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Each one of, of us. Text, Whoa. We, yeah. we made it, we came up with like an outline. 
and we beat it out as much as best we could. And people took like, oh, I'll take this scene. I'll take Wait, everyone, I'll everyone up. buddied up. So you had a writing partner just to kind of help get the ideas out quicker. And so it's like you're taking scene one, scene two, scene three. And then we sat at a table and people would write. And then the person writing scene four would be like, oh, hey, just so that y'all know, I just added in this gag if anybody wants to do a callback later on. And then someone else would be like, hey, I really need a punchline here. Here's the setup. And, and then we'd all stop and think, oh, this is the, what the punchline and is. And then the fun thing, too, though, was this time around we were also given um, dancers because James Madison University also has the theater school and dance. The school yeah. of theater and dance. And so um, all these dancers were like, yeah, I want to do it. I was like, great. We need an opening. We need an opening for the theme song. Um, there's going to be a, um, a party that the, uh, the mystery gang, like, you know, gets invited to. So let's throw that in. And so it was an opportunity for the dancers to collaborate and, and make a piece, but also teach it to all the actors. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun. It was a lot of fun. That's, That's flash you, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that should be a class in and of itself. We're working on it. Because like that, because <laughs> I yeah. mean, because I mean, it, it's what what has been the reaction um, from both, I guess, the students and faculty members who have that mentality of oh, the theta takes time and like it takes it's, like years to with produce. Fa- with faculty, it's like half and half. Like half of them are like oh, like. We're a very for, like we're training these kids to like do to make the best product possible and like the rehearsal process. But then you have a, a lot of faculty who's like, yeah, it's dirty, it's grungy, it's like throwing it all together. I mean, and, and you guys are twenty two and you have thirty dollars, so yeah, let's you do, do it. Do, do you it should way. be doing it. And then, um, but also I think for the students, they're so excited to feel like their voice is being heard. Like Absolutely. I have an idea on Monday, we're gonna present it on Friday. Like there's something I think very exciting about well, that. We live in like not like powerless times but like i don't know sometimes i feel like you wake up and you see what's happening in the world and like it, you, you start the day defeated you know where you're like yeah. god damn it i haven't even like I put mean, my feet on the floor right, yet and, and this already, is what's happening what's in happening, the world yeah. and i almost i almost feel like what you guys are doing with theater is the same mentality and process that comedians go through mm-hmm. you know they see recent events it's like the difference between uh putting a set together that you're going to put on netflix Versus like what John Stewart did, yeah. you yeah. know, immediately in the morning going, okay, what happened? What can we talk about? Put it through a process and then put it out there, whether it's good or bad, it's yeah. it's there but, and um, it's at least you know present. Yeah, and also, but also like using satire and comedy to make a message stick or to make you remember uh, a perspective that maybe you hadn't seen before. And so uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot of that, right? Um, but that's the big thing for us is it's like. And I don't know, maybe I don't know if it's a shortcoming or not, right? But like, you know, we have an idea, and I'm just too antsy to want to like wait to. Sh- I don't. I mean, like, I, I I've done it where you write a play and then like and you submit it places and you submit it a whole bunch of places and then like four months go by and you get a bunch of rejection letters and then you submit it to the next round of places and in the meantime, you've had a reading of it and done rewrites. Like I've done a lot of that. Yeah. And I just have, at some point it just got frustrating you know to be like no i want to i've already got the next two things that i want to be working on so i need to we need to do i need to do this one and get it out of the way so we can move on to the next one so i can move on to the next (laughs) one because i got another story i want to do in december so we got to do let's do this one now you know have you guys considered doing this process getting a group of people together and doing it for the fringe uh we have i mean i think we've talked about we ever so the thing for with us too is, and I don't know how good we are at this, but we, we work really hard to not retread, you know. Sure, sure. So, so every fringe, I think, is an opportunity for us to just stretch our muscles in a different way. Of like, let's just try something completely different. So this year, it's like, yeah, we're gonna do a one man show. 
never done it before. Never, Trey's never done Never one. written one before. Yeah, so, don't like performing right. as a thing. <laughs> um, but also, like, I I played the role as a dramaturg of, like, yeah, the story about your 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 grandpa is great. It has nothing to do with the story that we're telling, so yeah. I need you to rewrite. Yeah. So I think for us, it's about finding different ways to stretch our, our theatrical muscles. Yeah, so, so it becomes a thing of, like, I don't think anything is, like, off the table in terms yeah. of, like, what we want to make next, you know? But for us, it is, like... Fringe, like every time, every time it's time to do the next show, we have to ask that question: like, are we doing the same types of things over and over again? And sure. the flash mobs all are in a world together, and they feel a certain way. And we, and you definitely have. I have a writing style. You have a directorial style that is that tracks from show to show. Yeah. But hopefully, and we're doing another Spielberg movie play <laughs> this <laughs> month, right? I'm, I'm so really like, glad you mentioned that yeah. because you were saying, you know, trying to come up with what yeah. category it belongs in. Yeah, I have you no have, idea with this one. <laughs> you have a show, and you have to pronounce it for me because I've only seen it spelled out. It's J A L Z. Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a terrible title. It is a Trey so bad at titles. I'm so not it, always bad so at titles. I'm half bad at titles. We're doing, we're doing titles. a Jaws remake, but we're also tackling the topic of Alzheimer's. So it's Jaws and Alzheimer's. Jazzle. Ja- someone called it Jazzle the other yeah, day. Yeah, someone called Jazzle, and I was like, "Man, that's not that's not far." You're not more wrong than you think. So Jaws. Yeah. And so, if you had to try to categorize it, because you said you know you try not to do the same thing, but you yeah. know fitting these sort of categories, where do you see this, and how do you think that this particular show has stretched your artistic chops? Uh, so there's. One of the, we're doing something with this one that I've wanted to do for a while that we haven't got a chance to. Um, we are so the whole the whole play is set inside of a nursing room uh, or a room in a nursing home. home. Yeah, uh, and we are telling an entire movie with multiple locations using like a bed and a wheelchair and a walker and, and a like bedpan. a like one a of those like yeah well, one of those weird like end, like those like bedroom toilets yeah you know that like you have it's to, a furniture piece yeah but yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's so I think it's stretching us in terms of like theatricality of like how we tell stories and how we kind of like the visual language that we're using. Um, and I don't we've done a lot of like not end of like this is our first like end of life care yeah. kind of story, but we've done a lot of like family dramas yeah. turned on their side lately. So like last year we did a the disappearance of Nicole Jacobs, which is about a little girl who goes missing in the woods behind her house. But it's like, not the story of her missing. Not, yeah, it's like, the story of her family and how they move on. It's the boring story. Yeah. Of like what happens five months later when they're... When you still don't know where this girl is, how does the family move on when they're shutting down the volunteer search party? Like, wh- yeah. what do you do? Yeah. And so it's it's that angle. And yeah. so with this, I think it's um it's looking at yeah end of life care, but also also Alzheimer's, which you and I have both you know had. Closing. Everyone has. Yeah. I mean, who 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 alive right. today hasn't been touched by Alzheimer's in like some like really devastating like personal way? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it's like I forget the statistics. I knew them a week ago, <laughs> but again, I don't put statistics in plays, so I didn't have to remember it. I just read it once. Yeah. Too many people. Too many people. Um, so yeah, we. Um, I don't know what category fits in. I don't know. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. It's, it's it's really pretty so far. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Yeah. And it's uh, starting to play next week, correct? Yeah, on um, week 17th. From today. Yeah. A week from today. August 17th through the 20th. Which will not be the day that this thing yeah. comes out. So right. Friday. <laughs> Friday the 17th. 
So um, what is what has been the most enjoyable part about making this particular show, and what can people look forward to? Yeah, so um, Jaws um, is the story of... Um, so it's, it's, it's looking at the movie Jaws after the movie Jaws. So... It, When's the last time you saw this? We should just do we it this do way. This. When was the last time you saw the movie Jaws? Actually, weirdly enough, I watched it last night. Okay, right, let's okay, talk, right. let's talk so about let's, this. Let's, that, just, let's just walk well, through it. Pause. That's the correct answer. Because everyone else we've talked to has been like, I don't know, it's been like a decade. I'm I like, saw no! I saw when it came out in 1975, and it's like I watch but it at I, least once summer, a year. Yeah. I I always I always am a little bit scarred after watching it because I don't like the open water. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. no, it's terrifying. And so I I don't know. I watched it just like. You know, under my covers, just going, oh my gosh! Like I know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's still terrifying. Yeah. So if you if you watch the movie and if you've seen it recently, great. If you haven't, um, there is a, a a story of alcoholism that you could also track in addition to tracking the shark. Yeah. Martin Brody, the chief of police, is a raging alcoholic. Every scene, it's him and a giant drinking glass, moonshine, yeah, or a or glass of wine, or, or, or a that thing giant of, thing of bourbon, um, and a wine glass. So here's, yeah. so it's like, so here's, here's the movie. If you, if it's been a while since you've seen it, this is the events of the movie Jaws. Uh, uh, a woman gets eaten, and then the alcoholic chief of police is like, you know what? I think this is a shark attack. And then the mayor's like, oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. no, no, no. It's not can't. a shark. It's not a shark. Let's Summer not close season. Beaches, yeah. Can't close the beaches. And then like a little, a little boy gets eaten. And the alcoholic chief of police is like, you know what? I think it's a shark. And then the whole town goes out on boats with like dynamite, dynamite and shotguns. And if you remember a bow and arrow. Yeah. And, they and ca- then they that catch. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Then they catch a shark. Like a 12 foot tiger shark. And then the alcoholic chief of police is like. No, 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 no. It's not that shark. It's a different. Sh- you know what? I'm a, I, myself, the alcoholic. I'm going to grab two of my alcoholic best friends. We're going to go out on a boat together and we'll find the real it's shark. It's a different shark. It's a bigger shark. You know what? We'll, we'll take well, care well, of it. I got it. And then the boat sinks. A man dies. And the alcoholic chief of police comes back to town and goes, yeah, we caught the shark. Where? <laughs> Nailed it. Where is it? It exploded. No. No, that's not a thing that happened. So, of course, like, after after the they sail off in the sun, or they swim back home, there's clearly, like... An inquest an into inqu- this man's death. Like, maybe manslaughter charges? Uh, he's clearly lost his job. Like, he's fired there's got to be, and shame. There's got to be some sort of, like, AA program. Yeah, or no, like, he gets a divorce. His children hate him. There's no way that this story ends happily. And there's no way that anyone believes you, which is cool because... For me, that's the entry point of like, okay, cool. I know exactly what that feels like to like not be believed or to like also have like family legacy be in question or like to have all these, you know, we all have these stories that like our grandparents tell us where we're like, oh, that probably didn't happen, but I love this story. So yeah. it's the the events of the movie Jaws as told by Martin Brody to his granddaughter from the Alzheimer's wing of a nursing home. And that's what we're, cre- and it's, you know, the granddaughter is like, hey, you told me all these crazy stories growing up. And like, I checked the local like register and like the newspapers and it, I just don't think this happened the way Grandpa is telling me. So but also, he now has Alzheimer's, so like we, I can't. I really... want to get the story before I lose him. Right. And yeah. so it's about a granddaughter trying to like capture this like integral piece of her family's history, this like red letter day in the legacy and history of her family. But it's coming from a source that can't really be trusted because he has a hard time with recall. And so eventually, something triggers like a like a post traumatic. Um, flashback for the former chief of police 
And now we're building the orca live on stage and going out to sea. And going to kill this shark. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if that's what, if that's indeed what happened. Right. And so, so anyway, for us, it's like, it's, it's, um, I'm interested in, in the life care and I'm interested in family legacy and I'm interested in like the relationship between like parents and their children and like, and the generations. Cause it's that weird thing that I think a lot of families have where it's like, yeah, this person was like a super shitty dad, but like a great granddad, you know, like, how, like did that happen? how did yeah. that, how is, why, why is that? Right. Um, so I think for us, the, the, what has been exciting and fun about this process is definitely our actors are amazing. Um, we're working with Daniel Britt, um, Jordan Trevilian and Hannah Shepard, and they're just a great cast. But I think it's also the fun of being like, all right, got to learn sea shanties. So, uh, <laughs> today is sea shanty day in rehearsal. Uh, yeah. Pick a note. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, we're really pumped about it. We're excited. We have a lot of work left to do. A lot of work. <laughs> we have a lot of work left to do. <laughs> and it's one week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I will let you get back to work. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, yeah. We have made it through your oh entire cat- cat- uh, your uh, categories, which yeah. you Now is crazy. no one else has to go to our website, so, <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see the show. Um and I'm gonna try to try to go to the first performance. Yay! Because I mean, I'm I'm very excited because I do love the movie Jaws, and it's seeing so seeing it in a yeah. whole new light um, will be really really fascinating. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. I want to send one more quick thank you to both Bridget and Trey. Um, they were wonderful. They were able to talk with me for a very long time, and we had a very lengthy discussion even after we turned off the microphones. Um, thank you so much for being able to talk with me, and I had a wonderful time. If you are interested in making sure that you can go see Jaws um, at the Essex Studio, it is playing from Friday, August 17th to Saturday, August 25th. I am very excited to go see this performance on uh, Friday the 17th, so if you see me there, make sure to um, come talk to me about what you enjoyed about the performance, and hopefully I will also be able to find someone else that will be coming with me, and we will be recording an artful thought on uh, this play, Jaws. I really like saying that title, so I'm going to say it as much as possible. Um, However, that is all we have time for on this episode of the podcast. We've already gone over an hour. You're still here? I can't believe it. But you know what? We really appreciate it. So if you have the opportunity, go on to Facebook, go on to Twitter, go on to Instagram. Make sure to like and subscribe so you can find out everything that the Artfuls are going to be doing this school year. That is it for me for this episode. So as we always say, have an artful day. <laughs>